Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, a contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our big question for this week, does prayer work and how do I pray anyway? Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary. It's, it's fantastic to have you back again. I'm enjoying this. You are. That's good. That's a, it is fantastic to have you with us because you're actually able to uh, present uh, issues co- that are complex issues in a, in a remarkably uh, a simplified manner. Praise God. No, that is really a, it really is an art. Um, uh, uh, tell me something, Dave. What have you been doing this week? Sitting at a desk in front of a screen on a program called Zoom. All oh. week almost. But I went out riding Tuesday. It took um, uh, about two hours and rode 50k along the Esplanade in Adelaide, along the beach, and it was good. That sounds fantastic. Are you discovering that people are getting a little sick of Zoom at the present time? I think a lot of people in all industries are over it. Yeah, yeah. The novelty I've discovered has certainly worn off for me. However, it is still a powerful tool to connect with people, isn't it, at this time? At this point. It's actually really vital at this particular point, but nothing beats face-to-face contact. I know last uh, uh, last weekend we uh, we worshipped, just, just 10 of us, at um, at our Brighton church. Why? Phone contact, people who don't have access to the internet. And I don't think I've seen a happier group of people anywhere just to be able to, to greet each other and smile and talk face-to-face. And nothing beats that relationship, does it, face-to-face? Yeah, yeah, face. yeah, yeah. You realise how important it is in a time like this. Mm. Now, tell us, David. Now, look, you're the president of the, of the church. That means that you've got answers to all the difficult questions that nobody else has got any, any answers to. But just tell us, how has the South Australian Seventh-day Adventist Church been financially impacted by the closure of the churches? I mean, we're now 10, two months into, uh, uh, into the shutdown, and uh, I actually haven't heard a report myself, so I thought I'd ask you on here. Yeah, look, you'll hear one very soon. But um, like all entities and businesses, uh, we've been impacted in, in significant ways. I mean, mm. uh, April was the first full month that we were not able to worship in our churches. And um, we have youth camps and and activities like that that are closed, op shops that haven't been open due to the vulnerability of the people. But, um, uh, yeah, we have been – God has truly blessed. And uh, for the month of April, we have uh, – we're a church that practice, practices the biblical um, uh, teaching of tithing. And uh, our tithe for the month of April as, as a conference, as a church, was um, was up on last year's. So praise God. Wow, that's uh, you must be very pleased with that. We are, we are definitely, and the faithfulness of God's people and the faithfulness of God. Certainly, other aspects of of what we do as a church in South Australia, as I said, things like youth camps and and other things have been impacted and mm. in significant ways financially. Yeah, I, I am conscious that even local church finances actually had a had a little bit of a an impact at the present time as well. And and that's true. I mean. Um, we do tithes and offerings, obviously, and, and offerings are free will. And, and uh, at least half of the offerings given uh, during the year are for the local churches to keep mm, functioning. Mm, and with mm. churches not being able to be opened, 
um, it, time will tell. Yeah. When they do reopen yeah. and when our people can go back and worship, uh, we're praying that uh, church members and people will have faithfully put away money to um, to give to the local yeah. church. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you so much for that, David, because I'm, I'm so conscious that, uh, you know, Many people don't understand the concept of tithing and the blessing that actually comes along with it. I, I just really want to say thank you for sharing that. And tithing, we're not talking about that today, but tithing is where people in our Western world often see God work in supernatural ways because we step out of our comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that is so true. And I, I can certainly tell stories in my own life mm. how that has actually happened. Uh, David, thank you for sharing that, uh, that with us. Let's come to some music. This is BJ Thomas, where no one stands alone. Once I stood in the night With my head bowed low In the darkness as black as could be And my heart felt alone And I cried, oh Lord, don't hide your face from me Oh my hand all the way every hour every day from here to the great unknown Take my hand and let me stand where no one stands alone Like a king I may live in a palace so tall With great riches to call my own But I don't know a thing In this whole wide world That's worse than being
Welcome again to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Uh, this week, we're asking, does prayer work and how do I pray anyway? Uh, today, we actually have a wonderful offer for you. Uh, at the conclusion of our drive time, we would love to be able to pray for you. If you'd like us to pray for you today... Just text your first name only and the state that you live in and we'll pray for you personally. For example, you might like to text, pray for Gary from South Australia. Don't tell us any issue that you might be dealing with at this point. Just text that to 0438 If you would like us to pray for you, we would love to be able to pray personally for you. We believe that there's incredible power in prayer. That number again is 0438 Now before we move to our question today, I must share a little bit of an update on world religious trends. You know, the religious world is changing before our eyes. I believe we need to be aware of these trends. We need to be aware of these changes. These are trends which can't be ignored. It was just uh, today I uh, I noticed in CNN uh, a report on a new law that's been uh, passed over in Utah in the United States. The title of the article was Bigamy is No Longer a Felony in Utah. A law effectively decriminalizing bigamy when two people marry while at least one of them is legally already married is now in effect in Utah. For decades, bigamy was a third-degree felony, legally punishable by up to five years in prison and up to a $5,000 fine. The new law makes it an infraction. That puts it the offence on a par with getting a traffic ticket. The bill was signed into law by Governor Gary Herbert uh, in March and has the effect from this week. Polygamy has been practiced in Utah by certain religious groups since before it became a state and continues to persist uh, to this day, uh, the article went on to say. The new law makes the Attorney General's policy official. Supporters of the new law say that reducing the penalty for bigamy, bigamy uh, removes barriers that previously presented potential abuse victims from coming forward for fear of prosecution. The bill passed the legislature in February with overwhelming support, though it faced some opposition from Adgaf advocacy groups who argued that it normalised what they called an inherently oppressive practice and enabled the abuse of women and children. Now, this this uh, this is a, a a different sort of an article. We've um, uh, we've had changes in marriage legislation within the Australian context. But David, what message do you think this sends concerning marriage? And the family, does it send any message at all? I think this is just another attack on something that God has given us as human beings. Mm, mm. Okay, okay. So uh, where, where, where does marriage actually have its foundation? So we go right back to the very beginning, to the book of Genesis. Uh, and in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we have two accounts of the creation story. And on the sixth day, we read that God created man and woman. 
Mm. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 22 to 24, it says, In the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So we have this picture right there at creation of Everything being perfect, everything being mm. good, and God makes a male and a female, and he brings them together, and there in the garden was this marriage. So in other words, uh, the the marriage actually predates our generation, and within the, the Judeo-Christian um, scriptures, you actually trace back marriage right to the creation story in the book of Genesis. Absolutely. And the critical thing here, Gary, is this is pre-sin. So when everything was good, in a perfect world, God creates man and woman and he brings them together in marriage. Mm. And it's interesting. Marriage is under attack, as you've just shared, in a variety of ways. Mm. In uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 to 6, we have Jesus talking about how things were in the beginning to the religious leaders, mm. and he quotes these verses. But uh, in the Garden of Eden, uh, everything was good. And there are two gifts, two institutions to humanity that God gave human beings right there in the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. One was the gift of marriage, mm -hmm. which is under attack today and has mm -hmm. been for a while. Mm -hmm. The other was the gift of a day of rest, the seventh day Sabbath. And it too is a day that has been under attack for centuries, for millennia. Isn't this a beautiful picture? What we've got here is Adam and Eve, two people who have got everything. They own the entire world. God has given it to them. They've been the richest people that have ever been uh, created in this world. And God scratches his head and says, what gift am I going to give them? And what he does is gives them the gift of relationship and he gives them the gift of Sabbath way back there. And it's particularly those two gifts that have been under attack ever since that day. And those two gifts are about relationship. And in fact, when he makes man and woman, when he makes human beings, he makes them in his image. In other words, we are to represent God. God wants us to be in relationship with him. So when that whole marriage and that family base is broken down by humanity and society, then um, it, it violates and damages relationships with God. Okay, that's think, David. Tell me something. There are some who would say that right through the scriptures, there's many examples of bigamy and polygamy right through the scriptures. Uh, I mean, why should we go right back to Genesis? I mean, how would you respond to that? Yeah, look, I, I, there certainly is many cases of bigamy and polygamy and all sorts of things. Uh, the story of Scripture is the story of salvation history. Mm -hmm. It gives us a perfect start without sin. It then t paints the story of humanity choosing their own way into sin, the fall from perfectness mm -hmm. uh, to the depths of despair in sin, uh, Jesus coming to rescue us at the cross, and the end of the story, Revelation, is just like the last chapters of Revelation are just like the first chapters in Genesis, this picture of everything made new. Mm -hmm. So... Um, just because uh, human beings practice something in Scripture does not mean to say it's God-ordained. In fact, in Matthew 19, uh, Jesus questioned on divorce. And he says it wasn't this way in, in the beginning. It was mm. because of the hardness of your hearts that, that God allowed Moses to, to have this. 
Yeah. In fact, that's and th- that I think is probably one of the most important things that we can actually realise that the scriptures themselves don't actually always tell us what God desires us to follow. Because sometimes it's actually a record of what fallen humanity has actually brought into the uh, into human uh, human existence. And so the story of Scripture, or part of the story, is about it's about God, but it's about God wooing us back to Him. Yeah. So yeah. in that there is all the mud and the the mess of sin and the poor decisions that we make as human beings. And yet, what we've got is before sin comes into the world. God gives this beautiful gift, the gift of relationship. He says, man and woman, I want the two of you to relate together. He doesn't give them three or four people. He He simply gives them man and wife and says, I want you to come together. And Satan will attack any gift that God gives. Indeed, indeed, indeed. That's powerful, David. Let's come to another song. This is Heritage, The King is Coming. Busy housewives cease their labors In the courtroom, no debate Work on earth is all suspended As the king comes through the gate been redeemed, broken homes that he has mended, those from prison he has freed, little children and the aged, hand in hand stand all aglow, who are crippled, broken, ruined, now they're clad in garments white as snow. I can hear the chariots rumble, I can see the marching throng, the flurry of God's trumpets, spell the end of sin and wrong. Yeah. 
gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. This week we're asking, does prayer work? And how do you pray anyway? This week... During this week, uh, we have a wonderful offer for you. At the conclusion of our drive time, we would love to be able to pray for you personally. If you'd like us to pray for you, text your first name only in the state that you live in, and we'll pray for you personally. You might like to say, this is Gary from South Australia, and we'll pray for you in our prayer time at the end of this program. Just send your text to 0438 066635. That's 0438 066635. David, let's come to our big question of the week. Does prayer work and how do you pray anyway? Hey, you're a, a person in a, a senior administrative role. Do people in senior administrative roles have time to pray? No one has time for anything unless they actually make time. And, um, yeah, time's always a challenge. We're time poor, aren't we, in our culture? Mm -hmm. But um, for me, I I do have time to pray. I have to make time. Mm -hmm. And at times when I haven't spent as much time as I should in prayer, my day suffers. Okay, this is this is it, David. Share with us on this because this is really important. What you're actually sh- sharing uh, right now, you know, just tell us how do you practice prayer? You know, where have you seen prayer empower change? Is is there some sort of a connection between prayer and the Holy Spirit? You know, uh, share with us on prayer. Yeah, look, absolutely. So, look, let me be, let me begin by how I practice prayer, and and there is no nothing. Um, uh, dramatic or, or a formula that I use or anything like that. It, it's quite simple and, and might, some people might say, well, that's pretty average. But for me, um, spending time with God first thing in the morning mm-hmm. and preferably before, preferably before the family is up. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's easy to be distracted. And so spending that quiet time with God uh, on my knees uh, and praying uh, in my mind or even praying verbally and, you know, I'm not someone that journals terribly. I have a reasonably good memory. Mm-hmm. So I will um, recount things that um, I want to pray for. But I also want to give thanks to God. Mm-hmm. And when we do our family worship as well, uh, we're always recounting what we want to give thanks to for God. Mm. So for me, um, it is a very important part of my day. Uh, and as I say, when I haven't prayed as I should, I suffer. My day suffers. It's not the same. Uh, other places, interestingly, where I spend praying, um, and they're not typically what you would think. Um, when I've been into swimming quite a lot and doing laps, I find that when I have my head under the water and you get into the rhythm of, of going up and back down the 50-meter pool, my head's underwater. You're not hearing the outside noises. There is a rhythm, and I can just talk to God. Mm-hmm. Um, so you switch off from everything else. Somewhere else I really like to pray, and these are not daily occurrences, clearly, but inside saunas. 
because I can't have any device. I don't take reading material in a sauna, and it's a place for me to think, to switch off, and to spend time connecting with God as well. That's that, that's powerful. I know that uh, in my own case, you know, having those, uh, I certainly enjoy uh, prayer time first thing in the morning. That's certainly my my time. I'm normally up, you know, at reasonably reasonably early. But I know that there are times when I actually like to. I call them go bush. And uh, I'll have a have a day, and I'll just simply say to the family, "I'm I'm going bush today." And uh, I actually like to do it actually on a on a Sabbath because I I do keep a Sabbath every every week, and I think it's an incredible blessing uh, to us. But I know that a number of times each year, uh, I will actually just say, "Take my Bible," uh, say to the family, "Take some lunch with me." And I'll just simply go up into uh, well, I actually like going up to Rocky Paddock here in Adelaide, a lovely little mm. uh, little place, and uh, just just to sit there, spend some time in prayer, listen to some music, uh, do some reading, uh, and to uh, and to talk to my father. And I know that that is is probably one of the most powerful things that I can do uh, as far as my own prayer life is concerned. And Jesus took time aside to spend with God, didn't he? He left the disciples and he spent time. Mm. Mm. So you asked me, Gary, about where I've seen prayer work, mm-hmm. how I've seen prayer empower and change lives. I guess probably the closest to my heart is um, I grew up a Christian, but growing up as a Christian by name doesn't necessarily mean you're Christian by nature mm-hmm. or, or by practice mm-hmm. and in the heart. And uh, in my life, there have been an, a couple of times where um, uh, – the conviction of sin on my heart with uh, with where my life has been has has been heavy and has been weighted and as human beings we wrestle with self we wrestle with the sin that ensnares mm. us mm. and some of the times where i've felt god's presence the most has been when i've been brought through the holy spirit uh, under conviction of sin and i have confessed that sin to god which is a wrestle with self i've given it over to god and just the um uh, there is pain there, mm. and sometimes there can be pain with others you may have wronged. But the it's almost I wouldn't say elation, but just the relief and the the flood of forgiveness and knowing that God hears that mm. prayer and answers mm. that prayer is powerful. But one of the most significant times in my life where I've seen God work was actually in the life of my cousin. My cousin and I were best friends. Uh, We went to school together, high school together. We spent our weekends together. Uh, We were like brothers. In fact, uh, I had a closer relationship with my cousin. He was about 13 months younger than me than I did with my brother, who who is four years younger than me. I employed him in a business I was working in Mm -hmm. in Melbourne. And um, my cousin was an only child, uh, and he developed a brain tumour. And uh, it was diagnosed. We were away together one year at a wedding interstate, uh, and he died two years after that. But that two-year journey was an incredible thing for me to watch his faith and his faith journey. It was powerful. It was strong. He never stopped trusting in God. And it was interesting, you know, he got to the stage, Gary, of um, probably about a year, a bit over a year and a half in, where this brain tumor was the size, I was told, of a man's clenched fist. Mm. And it caused him to have grand mal epilepsy. And he would almost black out with pain. And it got to the stage where he was passing blood, he couldn't eat, and these, these headaches were almost blacking him out. Mm. They put him in hospital 
and on drips and everything, and they said, listen, we can give you four weeks to live if we, if we don't operate. If we don't operate, you'll have four weeks to live. And if we do operate, you'll have four months. And as an only child, and he was in his 20s at the time, he chose not to have the operation. And I was praying that God would do a miracle. And I believed I had faith because I didn't want to doubt. And I was praying to God, God, you can heal him. You can save him. I have faith. Mm. I know you will do this. Mm. Well, he got released from hospital uh, without surgery, and he died four months later. Mm-hmm. And for a while there, I was thinking, God, what have you done? I prayed. I had faith. Why didn't you come through? Mm. Only later did it dawn on me that God had answered my prayer. He had performed a miracle, not the miracle of restoring him to life at that point, although he will do that at the second coming, but the miracle of giving him four months instead of four weeks. When he left hospital after he got that death sentence of four weeks, his pain left him completely. Mm-hmm. The headaches went. Mm-hmm. He was had the dignity to toilet and shower himself. Mm-hmm. He had the ability to interact without pain with people. And so for me, it dawned on me later on that um, it takes more faith for me to say to God, God, this is what I desire, that you will heal someone or whatever it may be. It takes more faith to say to God, God, this is what I want, but I'm going to place this in your hands because I know you love this person more than I do. It takes more faith to place our prayers and our requests in God's hands than it does to demand something of God. So in other words, you're, you're suggesting there that there may be times when we pray where the answer is not what we're actually wanting. Exactly. And, and I mean, we see that in the Garden of Gethsemane, don't we? Jesus is there on the night of the uh, arrest, the day before he's crucified, mm. and Jesus knew what was ahead. He mm. knew everything. Mm. And yet here he is in the Garden of Gethsemane with the weight of the world's sin upon him. Um, his disciples have fallen asleep. Three times he prays to the Father in prayer, and it says in Matthew twenty six thirty nine, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as you will. Mm. And so I believe we should go to God with our requests, our desires. He's our Father. But we then need to leave it in his hands. That's what Jesus did. Not as I will, but you will. And it's interesting. Through my cousin's faithful witness, it was a wake-up to me spiritually. And uh, I and my wife, we went and I went into the ministry Mm. partially as a result of my cousin's faithful witness in spite of death. Mm, that's, uh, uh, that's a very powerful testimony because what it means is that uh, the Lord has answered, answered a prayer but he's answered it in a, in a different way to that which you were actually expecting because, I mean, the thing which, particularly when we're going through pain and suffering, uh, the thing that we would love to think that would actually happen is that uh, every person would be healed and there would be uh, no pain, no suffering. Absolutely. And the challenge for us, all we can see is what is in front of us, mm. this life. Mm. What we need to realize is the Bible says God is love. Yeah. yeah. And God's, God has more interest in, in us and in our loved ones. He loves them more than we do. Yeah. So to actually, and what prayer does, Gary, prayer lifts us up to God. It begins to make his desires our desires. So when we can actually leave our requests with God, not demanding, 
When we can leave our desires with God, we're actually saying, God, I trust you because you love this person more than me. I trust you that your will will be done, just like Jesus And this is really what faith is all about, isn't it? Because what I'm conscious of is that in the... Book of Hebrews, for example, I love Hebrews chapter 11, the great mm, faith absolutely. chapter. This is a powerful chapter. And my friends, if there's anyone who, who is struggling on this issue, please go to Hebrews chapter 11. But Hebrews 11 is actually called the faith chapter because all it's talking about is faith. And it talks about by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, uh, Abraham, by faith, Sarah. And it goes down and it lists and it tells the stories behind each one of these, these people. And then the chapter comes comes to an end, but it starts to work its way to a crescendo, and it works something like this, and what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, and he just starts to gobble out, the, uh, to, to gabble out the, the huge number of heroes of faith um, who uh, quench the violence of fire, but then there's a sudden change at the end of that chapter. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they wandered about. You know, here, you know, the great apostle, when he's writing to the Hebrews, seems to be saying, by faith, and we claim things through prayer, by Mm. faith, uh, through prayer, uh, many wonderful victories occurred because of this thing called faith and claiming the promises of God and yet other equally equally valid equally uh, powerful believers they didn't seem to have the prayer answered in exactly the same way that's right, and and we need to we need to be mindful because clearly there are there are um, some Christians uh, in society that sort of say if you have faith, yeah, you can move mountains. If you have enough faith, you'll be healed. Yeah, and I want to suggest that um, that is dangerous. Mm. I buried a lady, a lovely Christian lady, a young lady, a mother of two. And she had a friend or a family member that was texting her, uh, you don't have enough faith, that's why you're not being healed. Mm. And yet, what about the, what about 10 of the remaining 11 disciples? Yeah, yeah. All of them except John died yeah. gruesome deaths. Yeah, yeah. What about John the Baptist? Yeah, yeah. So Jesus promises us he will be with us. He promises, he tells us we'll have trouble, but he promises he'll be with us through the trial. Yeah, yeah. I, I've actually got a, a sermon that I've preached numerous times now where uh, Christ is, is in a boat uh, with his disciples and there's a momentous storm that's, uh, mm. that, that's brewing. And, uh, and Christ is with his disciples and uh, his disciples finally shake him and say, don't you realize about this storm? And he wakes, he wakes up and what he says is, peace be still. And on that particular occasion, he, he calms the sea. But you know, there's another occasion where he doesn't calm the sea. In fact, there's another occasion where he actually walks on stormy waters to the boat, yeah. to the boat and he holds the hand of Peter the Apostle. Do you know, as I, real, as, I, as I share on that particular story, I suggest to people that sometimes the most important thing in our lives is actually 
not to have the, the storm isn't always going to be calmed, but Jesus is always there to take our hand and to walk with us even on stormy waters. And the stormy waters that we experience enable us to, uh, those experiences, those trials enable us to face what comes next often. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for me, Gary, prayer, prayer puts God at the center. Yeah, yeah. A- and when prayer is the conduit that enables uh, heaven and earth to connect, mm. prayer changes us. God doesn't, need, God doesn't need prayer for himself, but we need prayer. Yeah, and yeah. prayer lifts us up to God. It begins through the Holy Spirit, as we'll talk about soon. It begins to change us and form our character to be in harmony with God's character. It enables us, when God is at the center, to to ask anything in God's name, and it will happen because the things that we ask in God's name uh, are actually in God's will because we begin as we connect with God through prayer and as we develop that prayer life with God, his desires become naturally our desires. Mm. Mm. And so that's why all of these great people of faith in Hebrews 11 and we look at Christian history and the martyrs, these great men and women of faith through the last couple of thousand years were able to face death and were able to stand because they were people of prayer, people empowered by the Spirit, and people of faith. Powerful, powerful. Let's come to some music before we come back, and we need to start start to wind up. But let's go to Cara Klein, The Gift of Love.
your life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. That's a fantastic little uh, book, uh, Great Controversy. I've read it many times myself. Can I recommend it to you if you want a book that uh, looks both at Christian history uh, but also looks at the the, the biblical understanding of uh, of Christian history. uh, Grab that book. Have a look-see at it. I think you'll be really impressed with it. You're listening to Faith FM, Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And this week we're asking, does prayer work and how do you pray anyway? And today we have a really wonderful offer for you. At the conclusion of our Drive Time, we'd like to pray for you. If you would like us to pray for you, just text your first name only and the state that you live in and we'll pray for you personally. You might like to say pray for Gary from South Australia, your name of course, and text that to 0438 066 635. That's 0438 066 635. David, let's come back to this subject of, of prayer again. What have you found as the greatest hindrances to maintaining a regular prayer experience? Yeah, I think uh, some practical ones first, and then I'm happy to talk and discuss some of the the real spiritual ones that I see. Mm. Uh, and I guess they're all connected. Uh, we live in a really busy age, yeah, and uh, there are so much distractions. I mean, a lot of my devotionals I will do uh, reading the Bible and other things I will do on the computer. Okay. I've got 5,000 books there, religious books. But there is a distraction in that at times of, of emails coming through, and you can see it f- goes on the screen. Yeah. So I think distraction with prayer life is one of the big things. Mm. Uh, and so for me, as I said earlier, having that time, that space yeah. where there is no one else around – and sometimes it's um, you know it's morning, and then other times, in addition to that, it'll be at night in bed yeah. just before I sleep, and I'll go off praying uh, to God, uh, and also you pray during the day. But for me, I find sometimes it's even my mind wandering. So I can be up at an early hour in the morning. I can be kneeling down, and I can be praying, or I can be sitting in a seat, and I can be praying. And as I'm praying in my mind. Uh, my mind will wander. And I don't know if you've ever had that. I have, I have. I have that many times, and I'll be interested to know how you deal with it. So what I have found that is effective for me when that happens, I'll actually then verbalize my prayer. Mm. And that actually keeps me then focused on on, on the prayer. Yeah. So that's that's something for me that can happen at times. Just I found it's interesting that you say that because I found exactly the same thing. Uh, I find that uh, uh, if I my mind starts to wander, uh, to pray out loud is actually so important because when you're praying out loud, your mind doesn't wander anywhere near enough. You know, I often wondered why it was that Christ actually said to his disciples, you know, when you pray and go into the secret place and close the door. Why does he mean to close the door? Why bother closing the door? Well, it's to cut out distractions, but I think also it allows you to actually talk out loud. You know, it, it's interesting to me, as I look at the prayers of Christ, all his disciples seemed to know that he was praying, you know. And I just wonder, did Christ use a method 
of verbalizing prayer? That's that's a really good question. It's interesting though as well that his disciples heard him praying and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Yeah. yeah. So Jesus verbalized prayer. Mm, mm, and we mm. know that clearly throughout throughout the Gospels. Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, technology, the busyness of life uh, are hindrances. Mind wandering is a hindrance. Mm. Another hindrance for me is is um, uh, is essentially having a set time and a set place. Yeah. So routine uh, for me is really important. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. when that routine's broken, if you're away somewhere, it can actually um, it's a harder thing to really get that traction, and you have to be even more diligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I certainly agree with that. It's that uh, having that routine is incredibly powerful. I know myself, uh, I, I actually uh, like to work from a book because I know that if the, my computer is on, uh, in all probability, I'll check an email, mm. I'll, uh, you know, you get a ping in from something and, and you'll actually check it. Uh, I, I actually like to actually read. I, I do some reading and it's normally from a book. Um, and, uh, at that time, my computer is actually off and, uh, and then then to come across to prayer, now, praying out loud. I know some people have shared that they actually write their prayers because they find less distraction in writing prayer. And and just this very morning, this morning, my daughter, eleven year old daughter, Alaire, hello Alaire, she um she was sitting at the kitchen table before she was uh, getting ready for school, and she took a, a notepad and she started to write down about eleven lines of things she was going to be praying for, and that was her prayer. Oh. And, and that's probably one of the most powerful ways of praying because at that point your prayer, your mind is, is focused, uh, and you're, uh, you're able to, to, to share in a very clear way what it is that you are particularly concerned about. The other thing that I've, I've actually found myself as well, David, is I found a lot of Christian music are actually prayers. Now, you've got to be careful the sort of music you choose here. That's true. But some of the, uh, some quiet music, uh, particularly some of the praises that come from the, uh, from the Psalms, uh, that is actually sung. They are actually prayers. Mm. And to me, it was some time ago I learned that one of the things that it's okay to do is actually to um, to sing when you're praying because what you're actually doing is doing what King David did. Exactly. And so he sang and he also wrote them down, didn't he? He did. So journaling prayers and prayer requests is also something that's really good. Yeah. It helps keep you focused. The other thing with that, I know it's not a hindrance, the other blessing with writing down your prayers is you can look back. Mm. Look back in times of hardship, in times of trial, and see how God has led. Gary, another area for me of hindrance for prayer is, and, and maybe I'm assuming it's not just me alone, uh, the private things are unseen to human eyes. Mm. So you don't know, Gary, if I'm praying every morning. You don't yeah. know if I'm reading the Word of God every morning. But you'll know if I haven't responded to your email for five days or, or two days. Mm. You, you will know if I don't show up at a meeting. So one of the hindrances, I think, with time with God, with prayer, with reading the Word, is that we don't value God for who He is. Yeah, We yeah. often value other people's demands and other people's expectations and what they may think higher than God. Priority. Yeah. yeah. So the priority of prayer. Uh, okay, so in other words, in our life, we making prayer a priority 
is absolutely vital. And what dawned on me in this instance, Gary, uh, I remember when we had our, our first child, Emerson, um, you know, we'd gone through quite a lot to have children and a number of miscarriages, Megan and I. And when Emerson came along, this beautiful little bundle of joy, this, well, crying as well, obviously. <laughs> but one of the things that I was yearning and looking forward to was those first words, which Megan and I still argue. I thought it was data, but, but those first words. And it reminded me, Gary, that as a human parent, I'm wanting to hear my child yeah. speak. Yeah. Yeah. God is our heavenly Father, and He is yearning for us to speak to Him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are- that's that's that is so true, and I think that that example of uh, the human parent with their child is probably the best example that we can actually give in this uh, in this big picture of uh, of prayer. Uh, let, let's enjoy here casting crowns. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word Just to rest upon his promise Just to know, thus saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him Jesus, Jesus, how I 
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. And David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And this week we've been asking, does prayer work? And how do you pray anyway? David, bring it all together for us. What What are the key things? The last few words, what would you say to our listeners? Last key things are this. It is sin that ultimately separates us from God, that God doesn't hear our prayers when we sin, and so we need to confess that sin. God has given us the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin, mm-hmm. to even help us pray. Yeah. So our biggest hindrance is the sin in our life. Yeah. Uh, another one is pride. Yeah. We need to be emptied of self, and we need to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to empty us, to humble our hearts. Yeah. And so when we humble our hearts, when we confess any known sin, when we have a forgiving spirit, mm-hmm. Uh, when pride is put to death, our prayers are in tune with God that's, and his will. That's a wonderful summary. Thank you so much for that, Dave. David, I'm wondering if you could pray for us just as we finish off. We have had uh, two or three people actually um, pray, uh, actually request prayer. So, David, please, please pray for them as well. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are our Father, the perfect Father. You have given us the gift of prayer. It doesn't cost us anything to connect with you. You're always there yearning to hear from us, your children, your wayward children at times, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that takes our words in Romans 8 and and, and puts them into uh, intelligible uh, mm. thoughts, Lord, for you. Mm. We don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit takes that. Father, we ask that you search our hearts that if there is any known sin, anything that we've been holding on to or clinging, that we may renounce that, that we may ask you to take that from us, that we may seek your forgiveness. Father, pride is at the heart of all sin, and we're all full of pride to varying degrees. May we ask you to empty ourselves of that pride, dear Lord. And Father, today we have had three people seek uh, prayer, dear Lord, that have texted in. And we just want to pray for Ryan We want to pray for Jamie and we want to pray for Hendrix, dear Lord, all in New South Wales. Whatever their situation is, whatever it is that they are experiencing in life, whatever their prayer request is, we know that you know it. We know that you hear their prayer. And Father, may their faith in you be strong. May you be there to deal with and to assist with through your spirit anything that they need at this time. And Father, for all of the listeners right across Australia, May their hearts be in tune with you. We thank you for this gift of prayer. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Next week, our big question for the week is, did Jesus really exist? And did he really rise from the dead? And does it matter anyway? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Marlita Fong. I have a friend.